Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital. Well, my friend, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Surviving the final, hopefully, blast of cold air through the winter. I know we're not supposed to talk about weather at the top of the show, but this is like finally winter here, so I'm going to talk about it. Dang it. You're just getting winter stuff now, like real cold? Literally, this is the first real snow we've had all year. Uh, pretty weird, weird year. Okay. Yes, it is. Wow. Okay, I'm done talking about weather. Sorry. Apologize to all those of you to throw in your <laughs> whatever you're throwing at your, your computer or your phone or wherever you're listening to us. Yeah. yeah sorry if you went through another phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ross, Ross said he'd cover the cost, so don't worry. No. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we have lots to share today. Uh, obviously, we've, we've, uh, we missed that last week, and I apologize. I was watching my little boy, who was quite uh, under the weather. That damn He's doing better now, right? He is. Yeah, that damn influenza. Back to his normal self. All right, good. We know, we know some kids, though, that are in the hospital. It's a really oh. bad one this year. Really bad. Yeah. Scary stuff. But anyway, he made it through, thank goodness, and scary at times, but it's all good. So Mit Singhal was one of the, uh, well, not first, but he was there in 2000 for Google. So he was pretty new. Google was pretty new when he came on board. And he ended up leading Google Search, heading it up. And now he's leaving. And the succession has a lot of people quite interested. Including me. Yes, so far (laughs) away. So it's interesting that the head of search is going to be, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but (laughs) I know his first name. It's John Gianandrea. Yeah. Maybe that was close. That was close. Yeah. All right. But the interesting thing is where he came from. He was previously the director of Google's artificial intelligence division, which is really intriguing when you think about now he's their head of search. And there's been rumblings, rumors, and talks about things like the mind, mind rank and mind graph, all these different things about artificial intelligence in the algorithms. This is a pretty clear signal that, that yes, there's going, going to be a continuation of development of artificial intelligence tied to the algorithms and, and search in particular. Yeah, and you're right. Continuation is a good way to put it. Yes. We know that Amit was advised by these people anyway. I mean, he certainly knew about it. I mean, artificial intelligence has been a big part of Google for a long time. But this definitely, the commitment is clear. <laughs> no yeah. question. It, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, too, and how it impacts what we do. It's kind of hard to imagine at the moment what they can do with it because, you know, the, what was it? It was the last show I think you were talking about that. What was that game that the the artificial intelligence at Google finally beat somebody? What was it oh, Go? Yeah. Go. Go. Yeah. Go. Yes. So there's it's very very good over there. And what what's it going to do to search? And how can we as normal human intelligence predict what artificial intelligence will actually make of search? It'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, well, and then you get into all the fun, heady stuff. How can we even conceive of what's coming in the future now? I mean, if artificial right. intelligence starts kicking in. Don't even get me started on the singularity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Well, um, you know, another big part of that's the knowledge graph. I mean, it's is incredibly complex trying to understand human history, human knowledge, and that's of course a, the big chunk of what artificial intelligence does at Google, which mm-hmm. uh, segues into our next next story here. And that's interesting thing that now brands can now edit their knowledge graph data. Well, it's not so much they can edit, they can make suggestions for edits. But how, however, it seems like that these suggestions are being acted on very, very quickly. So it's kind of like editing it yourself. You can't go in and hit the button and change something and save it and it changes in the knowledge graph. So you're actually suggesting that, hey, this is not my right phone number. This is the right phone number to put in here. And then Google will do some double checking to make sure you're, you actually have to be, you actually have to be a authoritative on the site. There's a bunch of hoops you have to jump through to prove that you're the one that's, that can say, hey, this is, you know, I represent this brand and I want to make this change. Once you make that connection that you're a repres- official representative of the brand and you make the suggestion, changes happen relatively quickly. So it's not to the point where you can just go in and edit it, but you can make suggestions. On that note, I only just read a portion of this today and I haven't got in our notes here, but apparently the ability to instantly verify a location in Google My Business has become a, a lot more prevalent. It's actually an option now, if you're allowed to do it, for more businesses. So when they're verifying their business, they can just click verify by website, done. That's great. That's yeah. Excellent. That's been a headache for local businesses and, and SEO firms in particular. They've been trying to help local businesses. Getting that claiming done has been a, a pretty laborious process. And if they can make it that easy, that's going to be a huge benefit for a lot of people. Yeah, quite agree. Quite agree. Yeah. Let's go back to the knowledge graph for a second, though, because I, I think it's really interesting, especially when we tie it into this artificial intelligence thing, that Google is very aware that the data they gather is not always correct. And if their artificial intelligence is working from data that's not always correct, I think this this idea of allowing people to input and crowdsourcing, for lack of a better word, the data is going to even become more prevalent in what they do, which could open up some very interesting doors. It opens up the knowledge graph, like you were just saying with local searches. They're making it easier to connect these things. I got a feeling this is going to become more and more prevalent as the artificial intelligence piece starts really gaining hold and, and taking more control of the algorithms personally. Well, you also have to consider, too, it's, I mean, correct is, is certainly a way to put it. It could be that they're just not quite as up-to-date, too. It could be a, That's a simple true. change happened that day or, or even just that week, and it wouldn't have filtered through. So, yeah, it, it's great. It allows Google to be that much more cutting edge on their data, and that kind of interaction from their users would be a great thing, a, a great model for other search engines as well, if there are yeah. any. Didn't you, wasn't there something else tied to, yeah, if there are any. <laughs> wasn't there something else tied to the knowledge graph that you found today, too? Something about their click-throughs? Yeah, so just jumping around here, though, that's Mueller Files. Do we, do we, oh, is it a Mueller file? I didn't yeah. mean to jump ahead. Yes, yes, we can't. <laughs> we must have the Mueller Files coming up soon. <laughs> so you also posted something else here about the algo update. I haven't caught this one. Yeah, this was because we, we oh, missed I did. Show. Actually, I had, I did. This is yeah. a Curial's thing, I think. Yeah, and I, and I had this time to do it. There was a bunch of activity. People were talking about, hey, Google's crawling my site a lot more in the past weekend or so. This happened a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And just to be, just everybody's aware that if you saw that, and and a lot of people think that's an indicator that there's an algorithm change coming up very soon because that frequently happens before a major algorithm shift. There's a lot more crawler activity on your sites. In this particular case, 
Google responded to the questions and said, no, this has nothing to do with a Google algorithm update. Well, they didn't tell us exactly what it did have to, had to do with. So just wanted to make sure everybody, if you, know, well, if you were looking at that and saying, hey, what's going on here? At that point, last well, week. It was more precisely, they're saying that Google crawl rate increases are not related to algorithmic updates. So whether or not they're considering this as a change or just the fact that they're just saying this has always been the case, obviously, from an SEO's perspective, we've seen them and they seem to correlate with updates, which makes sense. In this yeah. case, they're saying that the spikes that you see right? now aren't related. Of course, there's always the famous phrase, correlation does not equal causation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they tend to play well together. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's take a quick break and we come back. We've got another piece of news then the Mueller Files. We'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. The Google Link Operator has oh, finally man. put to sleep. Well, let's explain what the Link Operator is for the, for the, the, new, the new SEOs in the group that may not have used this every single day years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> years ago being the thing. I mean, at one point, 
you used to be able to do link colon. Now this is in a search bar on Google. Link colon and then the address. So www.stepforth.com. And then you'd be able to see all the links pointing to stepforth.com. Well, if you try and do that now, so those are links. Those are inbound links, people linking to that site. If you do that now or up to recently, you would have gotten a sampling of that data and a very limited sampling. Now, Google seems to be turning it off for good. I know I haven't used that in literally a couple of years just because, I mean, I literally used to use it every single day to try to understand what the backlink profile of a site looked like well before Google Webmaster Tools slash search console would actually go in and tell you what your backlink profile kind of looked like. You could use the link colon. And it's been a couple of years since it had any value at all, really, except for maybe to compare two sites against each other. I stopped using it. Have you used, when's the last time you used it, Ross? Mm. Actually, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and more out of interest, just to see whether it even <laughs> existed. And I, and I think in this case, too, I, I sometimes I use it just to see if Google even knows about website. I actually thought about using it to see what it looks like now for this broadcast. And I said, no, then I can't say I haven't used it in two years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it now. Let's see here. Uh, what is it going to say? Apparently, it gives you a message. So let's see if that's the case. No, it didn't. Apparently, only 40 pages of my site are, or, or, or there's only 40 links to my site, which exactly are totally totally was way off because there's thousands so it's yeah and and, and the, when they say a sampling it used to be i would kind of guess that it may be 10 percent of the links they knew about they would tell you in the link colon command so it was pretty worthless yeah so it still is i mean i, I wonder if anyone's done any tests to see whether or not the ones that are showing up are perhaps the most powerful ones there used to be a time where so, you could see that in some order so what do you do now when you're looking when you're trying to research a backlink profile you know, there used to be link colon was the tool you'd use. And then you switch, then we kind of moved over to kind of using webmaster tools, link data. But that link data is flawed as well because that just is a big list of links that they know that are pointing to your site, but they tell you every link they know about, right? So even if they're not counting it towards your light or it's been disavowed for some reason or another, they're still going to put it in that list. That can be confusing as well. What tools do you use, Ross, to try to understand you know, what kind of backlink profile a site might have? I used to use a few, but nowadays I either, well, no, pretty much all the time I use linkresearchtools.com. It's good. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I, use, I use Majestic SEO myself. I'm really happy with that. They've got a lot of good data. And uh, what is it? Open Site Explorer for Moz is another good one that people yep. use. Sure Hrefs is another one that I hear a lot about it, though I haven't personally used it much. But I think those are the four main ones I hear about the most that are people using to do backlink research now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they all add up, right? So you have to pick something and maybe a couple. Well, I used to have Majestic SEO. I used to have Ahrefs and <laughs> <laughs> link research tools. But then I had a freebie on one of those. So, Well, it depends on what, what fits with your style of research. It depends on what you can afford. Some of them are more expensive than other ones. There's a lot of factors. I think... Open Site Explorer is free up to a point. Majestic has, and they all have some free data. It just depends on what you can afford and at what fits your style of link research. I think really determine which one of those tools are best for you. Yeah, I think only the one that the only one that doesn't have free is Link Research Tools. It doesn't have any free version at all. I don't think I, so. If there is, I've never, I, I don't recall seeing it. I didn't uh, realize that. You have to log in to see that. Um, it's pretty robust. I mean, there is their reports are. I don't even know there is a. Well, there's a technically a basic report that you can do as a 
as a user, but even that's pretty intense. So hmm. I guess I, I they're think just so popular that they don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> the, re the reason I like Majestic is because Majestic actually has the oldest data set for backlinks. They were doing... They were probably doing this backlink data collection five or six years before the first competitor came on board to do it. I think sure. the first one that came on board was Open Site Explorer, Moz, was the first one to do it after them. So their their history of a backlink profile goes much, much deeper than any of the other tools, which is why I like that one. But it's also a little more expensive than the other ones. I can't remember which one I used at the same time, but it was another one that was pretty good. Anyways, yes, Majestic SEO is definitely the oldest. And, and I did use them for a long time. It just, just realized that there's no point in spending on two tools. Yep. No, definitely not. And they increased their pricing too. I think at that point too. And I got chin, uh -huh. cheapy, cheap. Okay. <laughs> cheapy, cheap. Okay. So the Mueller files. We still need a sound effect for this. We do. We, we, we got to get on Brasco to make us a sound effect oh, to tie it to X file sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the first Mueller file we got going here? <clears throat> John, uh, this is John Mueller, everyone, who's one of the Google reps for the uh, industry. He's always asking quest answering questions for us. And most cases, it, they make sense. <laughs> In this case, he's saying that uh, reviews are not a ranking factor for organic rankings. Now, local reviews, I should say. So, to make this really simple, I had to read through this to make sure I, I, I was very clear what this is about. When you get a review about your local business, let's say you've got a brick and mortar business or a service business, some kind of service business that's very local, you know, and you get over five reviews, let's say in Google, you can get a star, star rating. Well, does that have any impact on organic? Those are the non-paid rankings that are not in the map but in actual search results. No, according to John Mueller, it does not. Where it does have an effect, of course, within map listings or within the, what is it, three-pack now? I don't even know. It moves around all the damn time. It's, it's, it's still a three-pack. Yeah. Now, one thing he did say, though, is if you do get reviews within your site, those reviews can have some impact on organic rankings. And I have seen that, where your actual site can get a star rating. But that, yes. that doesn't happen very often. But there are impacts of having reviews and having star ratings show up that can impact your organic search rankings. So the, the actual reviews themselves do not. But if you, let's say you have schema markup and you get the star review on your organic search listing somehow for a product or a page, that can improve click-through rates, Definitely. which can at some point improve your organic search. So there are connections between these things and good reviews and reviews in general are always good to have, but just... I think the point here is don't expect the reviews themselves. If you if you go out and, and find a service that gets you a bunch of reviews or you find a program that works that, that people get really excited about leaving your site reviews, it's not going to have an immediate direct impact on your organic search rankings. No, and you know, something that came up recently, I had a, a client of ours call and, or, and he, he was quite upset about a bad review he had. And he says, I really need to, you know, I can't get Google to remove this. And it's just horrible. I'm like, well, oh. so I responded and said, well, there's a, no chance in hell they're going to remove it. Because <laughs> yes. it was, unless you could somehow, and I don't see how you could, but somehow prove that it was someone doing this maliciously, then you're screwed. It's there. But what he did do, and he'd already done all this, is he'd gone through and all the ones who had left a nice review he said, thank you, and I really appreciate her business. And then the person who came to the one that had the, the negative review, it was a real honest mistake. You know, the car broke down. They couldn't get there in time. Oh, well, you know, the person was having a losing their mind. So he said, I'm really sorry. You know, we tried to come the next day, but you wouldn't let us and wish we could make it up to you. And, and he's really worried because that's showing up. And I'm like, well, 
you did everything right. That is exactly yeah. what you're supposed to do. That looks authentic. If anything, I think it makes your profile look more real. There was a meme going around social media recently. It's probably been going around for a while, but basically it was a picture of Michael Jordan, and he listed all the things he failed out, how many game-winning shots he missed, how many free throws he missed. He listed all the stuff that he, he <clears throat> failed at through his career, and basically it said, you know, only by making state mistakes can you get better. And that's the same thing with these negative reviews. They're an opportunity to get better and to, to show the people that are looking at your your site that you're proactive. You're, when you're making a response to a negative review, you're not telling not just telling that person, "Hey, I'm sorry." You're telling everybody else that sees that that you're responsible. That you're you know you're responding to this person's pain, so to speak, right? That that you're a business that cares, mm-hmm. and that's ten times more valuable than just telling that person you're sorry. Yeah, precisely. So. I hope he takes my my words to heart. I haven't received a reply, but I, I you know I said that you know just continue getting the great reviews you have, and and it'll it'll supplant this anyway. I mean they'll still be there, and that's good. I think it's a good thing. It shows you have an authentic business that knows how to deal with a client when they're having a problem. And and there you are. Move on. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is just leave that sit and not respond at all. That tells all those other people that you don't care. This guy has a problem. You don't care what his issues are. You're just ignoring him. That's the last thing you want to do. And the fact that you're showing them that you're, you're proactive and you're trying to resolve an issue is a really huge, like Ross says, it's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we were working with a few dentists at First Dot Dentist. That's a new company that I'm a part of. And believe it or not, I still, I still can't believe that that's a top-level domain, Dot .dentist. Not .com, Dot .dentist. Anyway, First Dot Dentist. And with them, we uh, have a client who has... You know what we're trying to do is we're trying to help them with their local listings, and one of their local list, their main local listing, has a negative review, and there's only maybe one other positive review, which was just a star rating. No one left a message, and they didn't do anything with it. And I've been trying mm. and trying and trying to get them to do anything. No response, and it's very frustrating because you know that they could turn this into you know this into gold really if they did a good job of it, and and then started getting better reviews. Obviously, you don't want just one negative review on there, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. good good reviews are always a good thing. Yeah. So anyway, it's just a and, lot of it's common sense, really. And I I can tell you the best way to fix negative reviews is to fix any issues you have with your customer service. Mm-hmm. So many people come to me and say, hey, I've got these data views. I tell them the same things we've been saying right now. you got to respond. you got to do it. And they're like, but we keep getting more negative reviews. What do we do? I say, well, fix your business. <laughs> 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 you know, what's causing these negative reviews? And the- If you've got a passion for pumpkin, you've got to get to Dunkin' and pick these up. Our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam. And our delicious pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. And our perfectly pumpkin donuts, munchkins treats, pumpkin muffins, and more. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Pick your pumpkin at Dunkin', like our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Pumpkin spice signature latte. And our perfectly pumpkin treats. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Solve that problem, not what to do about the negative reviews. Don't fix. Don't put a bandaid on it. Fix the wound. Right. That's the best thing you can do. All right. Well, we have a little right. there. It's fun though. Yes. That's what the Mueller files are all about, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it does usually bring up something of interest, something that people bring up occasionally. It's neat that you can get to this and do it weekly. The next part is recent, I think it's as of today, the knowledge graph clicks. So, you know, knowledge graph is when you, you do a search in Google and you'll see on the right side some 
more profound information about the search you're doing. So if they connect the dots and see that you're talking about, you can say, who owns Walmart? All of a sudden, Walmart shows up at the owners of Walmart in a little bio or something. Well, they're saying that any clicks that go from that knowledge graph to the, let's say, walmart.com, that's not counted in Google Search Console. That traffic is not counted. So it's something to note. I think it's it's a, definitely of interest for larger companies that have more knowledge graph appearances. Can, we, can anybody say Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah, really. I actually wonder, I don't think I've ever noticed, is there anywhere to even know if your knowledge so, graph is appearing? Yeah, you just have to. It's usually only brand search that shows up knowledge graph stuff in most cases. You get brand search knowledge graph for generic searches. It rarely shows up. Most of the time, you're either if if it's a generic search, more likely to get an answer box than a knowledge graph. What what uh, I meant though is there's no way to see it within Google Search Console, as far as I know. There's no thing saying you're no. But I, I think I think what's going on there, and it kind of makes sense to me that it's not showing up in Google Search Console because Google Search Consoles. The traffic piece, the the impressions piece, is tied more to terms and and rankings, right? So because they actually tie it into what position your your page was when it got these impressions and got these clicks, there is no position tied to knowledge graph. You're gonna you can see knowledge graph traffic in your analytics, but you can't separate it out from a standard page. So let's say you had a knowledge graph listing and an organic search listing on the same results page. If someone clicked on either one of those, they would both show up as the same source in your analytics. So there's no mm-hmm. way to def- determine which is which. Mm-hmm. What, I kind of like the idea that it's not in the, the search console. Well, yeah, and I don't mean in the search report. It would be nice to know, like, here are and this is something I actually expect to see. It makes it makes some good sense. Here is your knowledge graph, because otherwise, how are you supposed to correct it, right? Here is your knowledge graph. If you show up, this is what's going to show up. Remember when they used to do that for site links, or they still do they that still, for site links? They yeah. still do this. So they should do the I, same thing. And you're right; they might do that eventually. Right now, if your knowledge graph comes up and you are authorized to edit it, the edit buttons show up right there in the knowledge graph. So that's how you edit it now. If you have the authorization to do it, a lot of vanity it kind of. <laughs> yeah, if, it, it kind of makes sense though that if you are authorized, part of that authorization process, you know, could or should or does include Search Console access. So if your email has access to Search Console, that means you're authorized to edit the stuff. Makes perfect sense to me that that stuff should be in there as well. And I, I bet you're right. I bet that does show up there eventually. Yeah, makes sense. But I guess we'll see. Not everything yeah. makes sense what they do. So, <laughs> um, oh come on, it does too. You know it does. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. <laughs> To someone. <laughs> to somebody, yes. Yes. And I love this. You had to put this in there, and I'm glad you did. <laughs> yep. So once again, our, our friends over on the other side of the pond, particularly France this time, France has decided that they are going to try to ban linking to a site without that site's permission yet again. So I don't think France did it again. I think Germany tried it once, or was it France that did it before? But somebody over in Europe decided that, hey, Somebody has to have permission to link to my but site. it was France first as well. Was it France the first time? E- either way, it's a ridiculous idea. I mean, it's just, it, it would really under... And they're talking about to the level of, you know, internationally. If there's a f- site that's on based out of France and you have your little blog post that you're writing out of your basement in Connecticut, you're not going to be allowed to link to a site based in France without their permission. So it's worldwide <sighs> they're trying to make it. And that's just, what are they going to do if you do, Right. 
they going to send the cops after you? I don't have no. I don't, how would they ever enforce that? It's that just so crazy. daft. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's it's as daft as them when they or, or the EU when they said they didn't want to be in Google News, and then all of a sudden they're <laughs> yeah. whining and scraping their way back in because they realized how much traffic it was sending them. Like, uh, I think it, t- it took them less than a week to decide. Oh crap! We need to get back. We need to get that traffic back, and they started begging, begging to be back into Google News. Uh. Anyway, uh, a lot of people who just don't have a clue are running the uh, running the scene here. I just don't get it. I really don't. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. that seems to be most of the cases in politics. Well, it's interesting because I I tend to explain to people when when talking about how links work, especially for a site for your own website, and I talk about you know the pages of your site are like the the building blocks, and your links are the mortar between the building blocks that hold it together. Well, if you take that analogy and you expand it out, the inter- site, internet and the <laughs> internet webs, the interweb nets, one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but if websites are the mortar of the internet, the links are the are the websites are the bricks. The, the, the links between websites are the mortar that holds the the internet <laughs> the together. Inner tubes together, yes. The, the inner tube nets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we crack ourselves up. I love it. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> links are just critical to the way everything works. And if they try to make that, if they put that kind of roadblock in front of building links, it's just going to crumble so fast. There's no way to enforce it. It's just ridiculous to even talk about. Oh, I should quote this. This actually clears up a few of the questions I've mentioned. Quote, unquote, similar to efforts in Germany, Spain, and even the European Parliament. Didn't realize they had a European Parliament. Very, very short-sighted Google haters think that a way to punish Google is to make it pay money to sites that it links to. Mainly in brackets, (laughs) mainly when it comes to news aggregation. The two French politicians admit flat out that they're trying to help copyright maximalists. Unquote. Well, there you go. So that's going to die. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> if it happens and these sites don't get any links anymore, they will tank and not get any traffic and go out of business and it'll be less than a week and they'll come back and say, please, please link to us. Right? Well, and uh, not to besmirch their good names, but you never know. Maybe their palms got a little grease just to give this a shot. I never know. That's true. And hey, keeps them busy, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> and, and Google's the lawyers. They don't want to get tired and lazy. I mean, they got to keep busy. You know, I mean, if Google Google is smart and they did this in the, the news, they said we're not going to deal with this. We'll, we'll, okay, sure, we're going to pull you out, and they'll do the same thing. Sure, we'll discount all the links to your sites, and you guys will get no traffic, and you'll come back to us in, in a matter of days. It's not. I'm not going to say it's sad, but it's kind of part of the reason these guys are fighting so hard is because Google does have so much power. And it, they have so much power because of this, the system they built, and it's because no one can compete with it, right? Oh. No one has been able to step up and say, hey, we're a real competitor and we can do this too. All listeners out there, there's a really, really, really good radio show that was on yesterday on the CBC, that's Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It's called The Sunday Edition, and it was all about Facebook and Google, mainly Facebook. But it was talking about how it's, what, 41% of your day, or the average person's day is spent, or of traffic is spent on Facebook. And they said, well, what happens? And it was a really good show. I didn't get to catch even more than half of it because I had to go out, but I'm going to find it and download it. Because they were saying, so what happens when it reaches 51%? Is Facebook the internet? <laughs> oh, that's evil. <laughs> I love it, though. Really fascinating talk. Well, so if you put it from that perspective, since over 80% of all online engagements, when people are looking for something, start on Google, does that make Google the internet, right? 
it's the search engine, but the internet is a walled garden in Facebook. Yeah, see, I think that's what's going to kill Facebook eventually because the walled garden aspect of it. Yeah, and people will get that's what that's what killed CompuServe. That's what killed MySpace. That's what killed AOL. Partially, what Yahoo's biggest problems are they're trying to be everything to, to everybody, and that just in an internet, you know, the way the internet works doesn't really support one place being everything to everybody at some point and it's still to me it's still years off for facebook at some point all those little pieces that they do that everybody likes somebody else will do this piece better and somebody else will do this piece better and it'll get to the point where facebook won't be as relevant because that's the same thing happened to myspace there'll be different sites out there that do different pieces much much better than facebook does it because it's hard to be everything for everybody yeah, it's it's a really good talk, and I, I highly suggest listening to it. You know, the market value of two hundred and forty-five billion. They're a lot of, a lot farther ahead of a lot of these guys too. They could they could they're constantly trying to innovate. And anyway, it's a whole other discussion. I, we shouldn't <laughs> model the show up with it. It's fascinating. Yeah. You and I are probably talk about it after. But if any, if there's any interest out there in us gabbing more about this by all means let us know in the well, uh, google uh, plus when, community. You f- <laughs> when you find it uh, when you find it at least put the link to it on the google plus community because i'd be interested in hearing it too but i'm not going to dig for it oh all right <laughs> see, 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 if you're already good if you're already going to dig for it just put the link up there for us okay i'll do that <laughs> all right well then with that said let's take a quick break and we'll be right back seo 101 will be back right after recess Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Structured Markup. Uh, you know, I, I would just love to have the brain just to sit down and go, I want to learn this. I'm going to be the ultimate structured markup guy. Uh, I think I would I'm, just shoot myself. 
I'm giving a, I'm giving a presentation the end of next month in Cleveland to the Cleveland Web Association all about structured markup and actually site architecture and structured markup and how they impact search. So I'm really digging into this. This is really good stuff. I'm it, liking. Well, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to read through. It'd be another thing being able to like write it natively. Like it's huge. There's so much structured markup. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It you takes, need a it dictionary takes, to keep a, or a guide. Yeah, and the dictionary is called schema.org. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, and that's it's all there. And it's and it's it's a different lang like a different uh, even understanding how they explain the use of some things is I don't know, you gotta have your head turned on in the right <laughs> angle. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that difficult once you get the concept. I think the the code is 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 very similar to any other markup language, mm-hmm. even even HTML. Once you understand how to use it and which pieces of code go where, it's not that difficult. Uh, it's just there's so many options. Um, that, that just understanding all the options it's, can be uh, a little daunting. I find it really, really reasonable, like HTML, only in the cases, and there are quite a few of them, where they've found or they've created a schema around a particular thing, like addresses. Okay, yeah, no, no duh, that's easy. It's when you get into things that don't fit a mold, that just haven't been done yet, and you've got to sort of hack it with what they have. Oh, shoot me. Yeah, <laughs> that's not fun at all because they don't give you much detail on that. And that's not necessarily one-on-one level schema. No, <laughs> but and for for our purposes, for for talking about SEO, in most cases, that kind of schema that you're discussing is not really helpful at first. I mean, it's the schema markup that they've set up and they've built entities and built schema around those different types of entities that really have an impact on on what we do from an SEO standpoint. The other kind. You're getting ahead of the curve, and it may be helpful. It may not, you know, but it can be helpful for things other than search, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But here's here's why we brought this up, though, because a, a lot of people are, are talking about schema and implementing schema and and don't understand schema. And one of the things that's happening is um, people are using it wrong and trying to use it to to do things it's not meant to do. Um, One example, I actually had a client in a few weeks ago that was talking about adding more relevancy to their site by using schema markup. That's not possible to add more relevancy to your site. What you're doing is you're defining the relevancy that currently exists on your site a little better for the search engines, but you're not adding more relevancy. Um, And one of the things that came up recently was there's a there's a bunch of structured markup spam notifications have been going on. Yes, structured markup spam is a thing, mm-hmm. and there are of notifications. <laughs> yep, and there are notifications that will show up in Webmaster Tools that are telling you, "Hey, we're seeing structured markup spam." But some of the sites have been getting this based purely on potentially. This is speculation at this point, but there's a there's a lot of talk, and it seems to be a real thing. Though um, I personally haven't seen any proof, so I'm, I'm warning you, but I'm not saying it's 100%, that there's some WordPress plugins that, because they've integrated structure or structured markup and schema into these plugins, they're causing structured markup spam notifications. And most of these are around recipe plugins. Um, there's, a, there, there's a few that have been called out as potential culprits. Um, WP Ultimate Recipe, ZipList, um, something called Yumly, Easy Recipe Plus. They've all been cited as possibly causing these structured markup spam notifications. Um, again, I haven't used any of these. I have not received these notifications, so I don't know 100%. But if you have one of these plugins and you go into Emergency Tools and you see structured markup spam, get rid of the plugin, do a re inclusion, and see if that fixes it. Um, yeah, the key here is if you've got a recipe site. That was the main yes. culprit here. So, uh, and, but but 
that that's what they notice now. But what that means is that any plugin that you use in WordPress has the potential to cause issues for your site mm-hmm. if it's not vetted fully. If you have a plugin that deals with reviews, well, if all of a sudden they started they they did the schema markup on the reviews wrong, that could potentially cause problems for your site. So always be aware when you when we're doing one hundred and one level stuff, and WordPress makes things so easy because there's such a huge community around it. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of WordPress. Uh, especially for SEO purposes, but you've got to vet anything you add into it to make sure that it's not going to cause you problems. Plugins, themes, all that stuff can cause issues because you're layering them on top of WordPress. It's not WordPress that's the problem. It's that stuff you're plugging into it that could be a problem. And if you want to check just to see whether or not things are working, and this is just, uh, you know, instead of just telling you that there's a problem, you can go to um, just type in structured data testing tool. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to understand what it says other than the fact that it's good or bad. You know, it'll give you kind of a, uh, an idea of whether there's any issues on the page. And if there are, then you can either fix it yourself if you're savvy um, in that area or hire someone to help you out. But uh, it will give you, based on your source code of a page, and you can just pick any page that you know is using the kind of code that is going to be co- constant throughout your site, then um, it'll tell you if there's any issues. So pretty straightforward. Yeah. And that's a good segue to our next point, too, because there's another tool that's been added into Google Search Console. Yes. <laughs> everybody, I, <laughs> I'm sure everybody's heard of it. If you haven't, the new big thing that Google's pushing on everybody is AMP, Accelerated Mobile Pages. And it's it's a new technology. There's already WordPress plugins to turn your site, to, to build AMP pages for your site. It's a big push. There's a, there's a new thing happening. It's going to have impact on organic search. It's going to impact on rankings, especially tied to mobile. I'm personally still waiting a little bit to implement. But that said, if you are implementing AMP and you want to see if it's correct, they have put a new AMP error testing tool inside of the Search Console slash Webmaster Tools. Yeah. So if you want to check it out, do so. Only look at it, obviously, if you've taken the effort to do it. And you probably already know about it if you have because you're kind of cutting edge. Just a nice note. (laughs) There's going to be some people that says, I don't want to do AMP yet because I don't know if it's going to work. Well, now you can do it and find out if it's going to work. There you go. You can play around because, you know, it's one of those fun things to do at night. (laughs) <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, we live in different worlds, Ross. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, and I'm being facetious. Okay, so we have about one question we can get to today. It's, uh, it's from Simon Cox. He says, an agency I'm working with wants to add some keywords in metadata description, but these words all start with a hashtag. So that's the, the number sign, such as hashtag have a beer on us as they're being used in a social media campaign. Outside of whether these keywords are being used in the page content, is there any reason not to include them in the meta description? It just feels a bit spammy to me. And I think we had a question like this last show, if not this same question. We might have talked about it, but not going to help you from an SEO perspective in your metadata. It's not going to hurt you, though, either. I don't don't see any reason why. I mean, I would test it. I don't see why, though. It's, it's just a hashtag. And having it in the description, if it becomes a hashtag that's really popular and people recognize it, and you're the person who created it, and it's in your description tag, I think maybe it could increase click-throughs. It's really subjective, though. Yeah, it is. And it, I probably personally would not do it for two reasons. One, it's going to reduce the relevancy of your actual targeted terms in your in your description tag. So, we say the description tags don't don't really have much influence on rankings, but they do have influence on click-through. And when, Ross, you say it's going to improve click-throughs, 
I think it's going to improve click-throughs because people are going to want to click on the hashtag and they're good because that's the experience that people expect when you see a hashtag you click on it and it takes you to a page it's all about that hashtag well they'll click on it expecting to get a different experience than they get and mm. that's going to be I, i'm not sure how positive that's going to be and that's going to be a, that's going to be a, a link it won't show up as a link yeah but they're going to click on it because they're they're used to it trust me it's going to happen that's going to be fine because they're going to go somewhere because it's they're clicking it's just one of those things that I'm not sure the user experience is there for it and user behavior. It's not going to impact everybody by any means. Some people will be fine with it, but other people it's going to, it's going to be one of those things like this isn't working like I expect it to work. So they're, they're kind of disappointed. Okay. All right. Well, uh, case by case, case by case basis. <laughs> okay. Well, I think uh, we got a lot done in the show today. It's a little longer than usual, but uh, trying to make up for the last show and I appreciate everyone for listening in. On behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google Plus. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, every Wednesday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.